1: Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need are... Rockado.com. It's officially game week for the Oklahoma City Thunder as they take on the Boston Celtics on Friday and the Philadelphia 76ers on Sunday to get the NBA scrimmage schedule started in Disney World. On today's show, let's continue the series of breaking down potential first round opponents for the Oklahoma City Thunder and let's break down the Denver Nuggets and how the Thunder Match up with them, and let's also recap what all we missed from the Thunder and the NBA from this weekend. Let's start with the Thunder news. And the first bit of news that came out this weekend that we missed is that the eight seeding games will not count for NBA awards, so all NBA awards will be finalized before we start games that matter inside the bubble. So for the Thunder. This impacts Dennis Schroeder and Billy Donovan as they're in the running for Sixth Man of the Year and Coach of the Year, respectively. So there's nothing that those two guys can do uh, in these eight games to really change the mind of voters. And we'll do my picks in a little bit. Uh, But for Dennis, this is a good thing for him. Uh, He's played very well. I think that he's the clear Sixth Man of the Year already. And there's a good chance that he does miss most of these eight games, if not all of these eight games uh, with the birth of his child. So with the opt-outs around the NBA, uh, with not everyone playing, with, you know, everything that goes into this restart, I think it's absolutely warranted not to consider uh, these final eight seeding games as a part of the NBA awards. Now, it's unclear when they're going to decide to announce these awards Uh, with with this offseason, you look at when Game Seven's going to end on like a Thursday, and then the or on a Tuesday, the draft's going to be on a Thursday. Free agency's going to be on a Saturday. It's going to be boom, boom, boom. This off season, we're not going to have that long layoff like we typically do to have the NBA awards show. And in a season like this, where the TV deal, the the TV ratings are what you're fighting for, that's all you can accomplish in, in this bubble. You can't sell tickets. You can't get fans in the stands. You can only get fans to their television. And unlike any other postseason, you're not only fighting with baseball, which it's easy to dominate baseball. You're not only fighting with hockey, which for the NBA, it's easy to dominate hockey. If we reach October, if we survive to October, and if the NFL can get their, their sport started, and keep playing in October, you're going to be fighting with the NFL, the the king of TV ratings. The NFL puts a product on TV every week that makes money and carries entire networks. Without the NFL, CBS, Fox, NBC would all be in shambles. That's what props up their network, is, is getting those huge ratings and being able to sell commercials for those games. So that's going to be a tough, a tough sport to overcome, especially if you see a couple of upsets in the first round and the second round like some people project. So what I'm driving at here is, with the awards not counting in these eight games, why wouldn't you announce the awards before the eight games are over? either before they start or right after they finish. Before the postseason, if I was the NBA, I would announce the awards. And I think it's pretty clear why. For starters, uh, at Rookie of the Year, if Zion can return to the bubble in time and if they do find a way to battle into the uh, play-in game, you've got Rookie of the Year, John Morant, runner-up Zion going at it. Uh, Later on in the postseason, you would have MVP, Luka or Giannis, whoever you pick, going up against the runner-up. If the finals matchup, you know, plays out that way, there are so many added storylines to announcing your player of the year, your, you know, your awards, to announcing your MVP, rookie of the year, most improved player, six man of the year, to announcing all of those. There's so much more to gain from it, from a TV side of things, from a storyline side of things, which you are going to desperately need as you get more competitive. Again, typically, this late in the season, whenever the games start to matter more, they're com- they're competing with nobody. They're competing with regular season baseball and playoff hockey. You're going to be competing with everything in this restart. So I think that announcing your awards before the postseason could actually do a ton of good you know, for the television rating, and it couldn't hurt for sure. And in a shortened and offseason where we're not going to have that layoff, I mean, we're literally going to jump from Game 7 to the draft in a matter of days rather than weeks. It's going to be insane not to go ahead and announce it right here, right now, before – we wrap up these eight games. So we're going to do all of my picks for every award coming up, but more on the Thunder. Nerland's Noel tweaked his ankle and it's expected to be incredibly minor uh, and not really even affect him playing in these eight seeding games, but it is something to monitor as you move forward because we know the Thunder do not have a ton of depth and losing Nerland's Noel for any amount of time uh, would be pretty significant, especially uh, when you chip away at Noel Uh, Then you talk about Dennis leaving Uh, that second unit, uh, you know, it starts to, it starts to depreciate very quickly. If Narnia's Noel cannot play, but the ankle injury is expected to be nothing. And he, I wouldn't be shocked if he plays on Friday against Boston, even in a scrimmage, Uh, but Uh, Billy Donovan did speak about Darius Baisley, you know, talking about the the Noel injury, and he said that you could see Darius Baisley get minutes at the five, and I kind of uh, thought back to to Jeremy Grant playing minutes at the five. Billy Donovan, uh, he doesn't embrace it as much as Mike D'Antoni, because no one embraces it as much as Mike D'Antoni, but Billy Donovan does like to run small lineups, and you saw it with Jeremy Grant, and Donovan acknowledges that, hey, Baisley's not totally ready yet to play the five at the NBA level. Uh, But if he adds some muscle and some more muscle moving forward, uh, he could turn into a Jeremy Grant type guy where you could uh, realistically uh, for, for stretches and, and periods of time, play them at the three, four or five. And that versatility, as we've seen with Grant is valuable. It's very valuable. So Again, for Friday, for Sunday, whenever these scrimmages don't matter, even if no- Noel is totally healthy, he might not play. And so this would be a good time to experiment with Baisley at the five. And it's really intriguing to me because with Darius Baisley, I don't think anyone really knows what he is yet. For me, watching the, the film from high school and, and what little you can gather from from guys playing in high school, because typically you're not playing against tough competition, uh, but he's a great playmaker a fantastic playmaker, and that's really the selling point for Baisley. He can dribble, he can pass, he has brilliant basketball IQ, he can stay in front of you defensively, he's not going to shut you down, but he's not going to get embarrassed either. How does that play at the five? What kind of offense would you need to run to get him uh, involved whenever his best asset is playmaking? And that's why I don't want to judge Baisley just yet. I don't want to cast him off as anything or pigeonhole him as anything from this season because he's – his best skill is playmaking, and he's playing with the best playmaker of all time, and Chris Paul. He's playing with Shea. He's playing with Bay. You know, he's playing with uh, Dennis Schroeder. He's playing with too many cooks in the kitchen to where he cannot show what he can do with the basketball. So I I am not gonna judge this season. He's a rookie, especially, uh, but I am interested in, in how he plays at the five because if you can run some lineups where one of your best playmakers on the fo- on the floor is is the five spot. That would be pretty impressive uh, to watch. And he does need to add some muscle uh, to, to be able to handle defending down low in the NBA. But it will be interesting to watch. and That's a storyline to follow as we move into these scrimmages. I know that we are excited for basketball to be back. I know that you guys think right now that you're going to want to sit down and watch every single second of these scrimmages. But I would caution you. It's going to be just basically preseason in the blue and white game. I mean, everyone gets excited for the blue and white game, and I guarantee you most of you tune in, watch five minutes, and then leave. I mean, that's just how it goes. So if you are looking for reasons to stay, Baisley possibly getting minutes at the five, Baisley being able to play center, that's a reason to stay and stay involved for those scrimmages. Now, the first scrimmage against Boston actually only needs your to hold your attention for ten minutes per quarter. They've reduced the uh, they've reduced the minutes down for that first scrimmage, and then they'll go back to normal moving forward. But for that first day on Friday, it'll be ten minute quarters. Whenever you watch the Thunder take on the Celtics, uh, Rick Carlisle, I believe, was the. Uh, Coach that came out publicly and said that this was a good idea. And I think that quickly after he told the media that uh, he's already done that with the Mavericks and and their opponent, they've agreed to play 10 minutes. I think quickly after that, the NBA announced that everyone will only play 10 minutes. And then one more bit of news before we take a break is that on Sunday, the Oklahoma State Thunder went through a full uh, practice and it was, quote, very physical, uh, said Billy Donovan. And Andre did participate in everything today. So that's yet another full contact practice. That's yet another straight practice. That's yet another physical practice that Andre went through and all signs point to him playing. And that's very exciting for the Thunder organization, for the Thunder fan base, for everyone involved. Uh, But Billy Diamond did mention that Andre still has a long ways to go offensively. And I think that this is what people are missing. Uh, And I know uh, that you're thinking jump shot right now. That's not what Billy Diamond meant. And I think that a lot of us forget this. But Andre has not played with a ton of these guys before. I mean, think about how this team looked two years ago and how they look now. He hasn't really played much with Dennis Schroeder. He hasn't played with Shea. He hasn't played with Chris Paul. He hasn't played with Gallo. He hasn't played with Baisley. He's hardly played with Ferguson. He hasn't played all that much with any of these guys. I mean, Adams is someone who's played with a ton. He hasn't played with Nader. He hasn't played with Dort at all. I mean, this is someone who who is going to take some time to, to get back in the flow of things, even if he can go uh, physically. When you talk about the chemistry, which is what this team has been built on, he's got a long way to get there. And it's not his fault. He just has not played with any of these guys. I mean, you look at that starting five. He's played with Adams. He hasn't played with Dort, Shea, Chris Paul. doesn't play with Gallo. He has a long ways to go. And that's part of why I've been cautioning everyone to take a step back. Don't expect him to be a next factor. Don't expect him to make a huge impact. What Andre is going to try to do in Orlando, he's not going to try to win the Thunder a championship. He's going to try to contribute, obviously. But the goal for Andre... And the goal for the Thunder when playing Andre is not necessarily about winning games. And that sounds crazy. But the, but the goal for Andre in an expiring contract, the reason he's doing this, the reason he's entered the bubble, the reason he's trying so hard to get on the floor in the bubble, is to prove to the NBA that he's an expiring contract. He'll be a free agent this offseason. It's to prove that he still can play eventually. He still can contribute eventually what he's doing in the bubble is trying to save his career so to put the expectation on him that he's going to be the x factor he's going to be the difference maker between uh, this team you know winning a championship or not or moving on to the western conference finals or not or even moving on to the second round or not uh, i think it's i think it's too much pressure on him because that's not what this is about that's not what this is about this is about a guy trying to prove to this organization and the nba as a whole that he's still an NBA player, that with more time than eight games, with more time uh, than eight games and whatever the the first round lasts, that he can still perform at an NBA level, that he's worthy of one more minimum contract uh, to further prove himself. So after the break, we will get my award picks for every NBA award. But first, I want to talk about our good friends over at rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business that's been serving you auto parts online for 20 years. Listen, 20 years ago, a lot of you still had dial-up internet, so if you got a phone call, your internet would just totally uh, go out and you couldn't continue writing your little emails and you had trouble even writing the emails, had to call your grandson in there, get him on the the computer, type away, and, and send the email out. You could have been buying auto parts online. 20 years ago at a family-owned business like RockAuto.com. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com with hundreds and hundreds of makes, models, manufacturers. It has everything you need, and it will tell you what's compatible with your car and what you might be looking for to solve the problem you're having. Because there's no point in 2020 to be going into a chain auto parts store. Not only are we trying to social distance, but we're also trying to save you money because if you go into that store, you're going to ask them for this part. They're going to type on their computer. They're going to order the part online and then upcharge you for the part they just bought online for you. Skip the upcharge, go to rackauto.com for all the parts your car will ever need. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rackauto.com. So let's get into my NBA award picks. Let's start with the MVP award. And to me, this one is crystal clear. I don't see much of a debate on this front. It's Giannis. I think Giannis is clearly the MVP. And and probably my hottest take is that Luka is my number two and not LeBron James. Uh, But Giannis, to me, has been the best player in the NBA. Uh, He's on one of the best teams in the NBA. And he's continued... Uh, to just be historically great. I mean, he's the MVP in my opinion. Luca, if he does not suffer those injuries, I think people forget how good he was this season. I think people forget that in December, uh, this was not a hot take to consider him an MVP candidate uh, and, and to consider him the the second, you know, the, the runner up for MVP. Uh, whenever uh, he was healthy, you know, he hurts his ankle, he hurts his thumb, and, and things start to trend down. He's missing games, uh, but Luca has been nothing short of incredible. This season, Uh, but LeBron James is probably the runner-up in all likelihood, obviously. Uh, But I did want to give a quick shout out to Luca. Uh, But between Giannis and LeBron, which most of you out there are going to have, uh, you know, tossing around these next few weeks as you're deciding who your MVP is, uh, for me it has to be Giannis. Let me know who's your MVP on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And for Rookie of the Year, let's move on. I've got John Morant, Luke. uh, Excuse me, Zion is incredible. Zion has been awesome to watch. He's been fun to watch. He has all the hype. But John Morant, what he's done over the, the body of work of this season has been awesome. I mean, this Memphis team is so fun to watch. And I don't think people realize how how difficult it is to be a point guard as a rookie and to control an offense as a rookie. And not only do that, but ensure that your team is a playoff team as a rookie point guard. That position takes so much uh, skill and it takes so much, you know, IQ to be able to, to manufacture an offense. I think that Jaw runs away with it. I, I don't see the argument for, for Zion. I really don't. Uh, if you have one, again, hit me up on Twitter. But I, I don't see the argument for Zion outside of the, the explosive dunks, which are awesome. Uh, but he hasn't played enough for me, he hasn't done enough when he does play to me. He's been awesome. But he has not been what John Morant has done consistently and what John Morant has done for that Memphis team consistently. And that Memphis team is going to be really fun. But so is New Orleans. I mean, Memphis, New Orleans, Oklahoma City, Dallas. I mean, these are going to be the teams in the West in the near future. They really are. But if you want to get a third name in there, none has been awesome. The Heat have a ton of young guys that have stepped up, and it's been fun to watch the Heat. And speaking of guys stepping up on the Heat, my most improved player is Bam Adebayo in I don't like giving this award to, to second-year players, so that took Luca out. I, I hate that because, obviously, uh, you should improve. If you're a good basketball player, you should improve from your rookie year to your sophomore year. Uh, but Bam has really shown that he is not just a good player. And what I mean by that is that he is not someone that you look at and say, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a good starter. He's going to be on a, an, on a winning team. No, he's an all-star. And Bam has shown this year he's an all-star, and he's a, a guy that can win you games. He's, he's a guy that can be the reason you win. And I didn't expect Bam to have that in him. I didn't expect Bam to uh, be a superstar. Now, a couple of all-star appearances, sure. Uh, but what he's done to really really transform that center position and, and the playmaking he's added to his game and the ability that, that, that he has to work so well with Jimmy Butler and to provide offense for that Heat team – He's been improved. He's been the most improved and he's been awesome to watch. But Brandon Ingram is my number two in that category. And then sixth man of the year. This, and this is not uh, being a, Th- a Thunder fan at all. Dennis Schroeder's the runaway for sixth man of the year. I, I, again, like rookie of the year, I don't see an argument with most improved. If you told me you picked Brandon Ingram, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. MVP. If you tell me you pick LeBron, I don't see it, but I can understand it with rookie of the year and sixth man of the year. I cannot even understand the other side. Listen, the Clippers have two guys in the running for sixth man of the year. That automatically makes one of them a seventh seventh man. That's how shallow of a pool the sixth man of the year award is this season. And what Dennis has done to play as a starting caliber point guard. Listen, you, you you look at what Dennis has done on the court and you take his numbers. He would be a starting point guard for half the league this year. For this Thunder team, he's the sixth man of the year. He's in their closing lineup. He's in their most efficient lineup. He's in their best lineup. As a sixth man of the year, uh, and you know who who cares what voters you know what voters do in this scenario. But I do think there's something to to be said for a veteran like Dennis to take on and embrace that sixth man of the year award whenever he knows just as well as you and I know that he could be a starter in this league and he should be a starter in this league. I think that that adds uh, some credibility to his case. But there is no other answer to me than Dennis Schroeder for Sixth Man of the Year. I mean, there is simply not. Point guard is is the toughest position to play in the NBA, in my opinion. And he's mastered it on a second unit level. And what he's done also, being in the second unit and controlling the second unit, as well as closing, so getting thrown in with the starters as well, and meshing with Chris Paul, meshing with Shea, two other ball handlers, Becoming the third ball handler on the lineup. It just, there's so many arguments you can make for Dennis. And I can't really find one that goes against him. So that's why he's my sixth man of the year. Uh, Defensive player of the year is another one that I can see going either way. You know, if you have Giannis, great. I have Anthony Davis. I think that he's been re-energized being in LA, obviously from, from New Orleans. And to me, he's you know, he doesn't get the attention defensively because he does so much offensively. It kind of takes away, you know, whenever you're breaking down a player, if they're good offensively, you're automatically going to depreciate their defense because it's so much easier to talk about offensive basketball. It's so much, it's, it's so much more fun to talk about offensive basketball. But to me, Anthony Davis has done the things that Rudy Gobert has done this season. You know, he's been that good defensively, in my opinion. So I've got him defensive player of the year and then coach of the year. And there's two answers here, and it just depends on, on if I gave you a vote, what do you value more? And it's the same way for MVP. If I gave you a vote, do you, do you care about who the best coach is or do you care about the best storyline? And it's the reason LeBron does not have more MVPs because voters don't always care about who the best player is. They care about the best storyline. If you care about who the best coach is in the NBA, it's Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse is the best coach in the NBA. So he's my coach of the year. He is the best coach in the NBA. How he's kept that Raptors team as a title contender. I know they did not get talked about nationally, but if if you made me put money down on a on a Eastern Conference team to win the title, I'm putting it on the Raptors this year. I'm not doing the Bucks. I'm not doing the Celtics. I'm putting it on the Raptors this year. Even without Kawhi, that's how good Nick Nurse has been, and that team has been. Uh, but Nick Nurse, the way that he game plans defensively, the way that he, you know puts out different lineups and he treats every game truly like a playoff matchup. And that's what people within the NBA say is that he's literally game planning for each opponent. He's making game plans for them. Uh, And in the regular season, you don't see teams do that. You see teams say, this is how we're going to play. It's either going to win us a game or lose us a game. And then we'll make adjustments in the postseason." Nick nurse makes the adjustments in the regular season and his team responds to it uh, and, and plays well with those adjustments. That's not an easy thing to do. He's the best coach. He's better than pop. He's better than, you know, you know, Steve, Steve Kerr. He's better than anyone that you want to throw out there. I think he's the best coach in the NBA, uh, but finishing second, of course, is Billy Donovan. And this is the storyline aspect of it. You have an amazing first year as a head coach. Remember what we said about Billy Donovan that first year. He outcoached Greg Popovich. He outcoached Steve Kerr. He's going to be awesome. They lose Kevin Durant. Comes back the next year, no harm, no foul. You only have rest. No coach could have done any better than that. And then the last two years. The last two years, you get embarrassed by Utah. You wait too long to go to that Jeremy Grant at the five lineup in mellow. Last year, you get embarrassed by Portland. And many, many fans wanted Billy Diamond fired. This time last year, many of you out there wanted Billy Diamond fired. You can say you didn't. You can lie right now and tweet at me and say you didn't. But if we're being honest, many of you wanted Billy Donovan fired last year. And he has taken this team and he's gotten the best out of them. A team that had a .2% chance of making the postseason. He's gotten them to be a historically clutch team. He's gotten them to be one of the best offenses we've ever seen in Oklahoma City in the sense of schematically. And He's gotten the attitudes right for everyone. Dennis Schroeder should be a starting point guard, but he's embraced that sixth man of the year. Chris Paul, he knows his time's running out. As much fun as it is to watch him play basketball, his time to win a championship, his time to compete is running out. He could have easily, easily made a mess of this thing. He could have easily demanded a trade publicly, said he was not going to play for the Thunder, just tank their entire value, and and then get get nothing in return for him on the trade market. But he's bought into Billy Donovan's system. He's worked with Billy Donovan. And he's listened to Billy Donovan. And they're running his offense. And we've seen how good that is. And then we all agree the Thunder have no wing depth, correct? But yet they're still the fifth-place team in the West, and again, before the suspension, they should have been the fourth-place team if they got to play that game against Utah. So he had them as a top-four seed in the West, in my opinion. I know the standings say five, but we all agree they would have won that game against Utah. So nonetheless, four or five, whatever you want to say, he's got them that high by mixing and matching wings. You know, you get a Nader Knight here, a Ferguson Knight rarely there, and you, you just plug and play these guys on the wing. He's getting the most out of Abdul Nader. I think that Donovan has the best storyline, but if you want to go the best coach, if you want to call it the best coach, coach of the year, it's Nick Nurse. So, again, it goes back to what you value here. Do you value as a voter storyline, or do you value, you know, storyline narrative, or do you value just technical technical best coach of the year, period? I value the best coach of the year for this, uh, and I think that Nick Nurse does have a good storyline, too, and that, and that also hurts Billy really Donovan. It's not only that he's the best coach of the year, he's not he's the best coach, but he has a storyline. That's what's hurt LeBron. For many years, LeBron was just the best, the best player. There was no real storyline with it, other than he's the best player we've ever seen. So he got, so he lost MVPs because he did not have a narrative around him. Nick Nurse is the best coach, but he also has that narrative of he does not have Kawhi Leonard. So that's hurt. That hurts Billy Donovan as well. For me, I'm gonna go with Nick Nurse, but Billy Donovan is my close close second, and, and I would. I would love to see Billy Donovan get rewarded with the Coach of the Year award. I really would. But after the break, we're going to break down the Denver Nuggets playoff matchup and wrap up a Monday edition of Locked on Thunder.
0: This is Jake from Locked on. Locked on has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat, led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: So, throughout the last week, we've been previewing possible playoff matchups for the Thunder. We've already tackled the, the Rockets, the Jazz, the Mavericks, Let's move on to the Denver Nuggets. And this season, the Nuggets won the first matchup in December, winning at 110-102. The Thunder won the second matchup, winning at 113-101 in February. Uh, Last season, in the playoffs, the Nuggets struggled with a terrible, terrible Spurs team. They got pushed to seven games and honestly should have lost that series to a terrible Spurs team. And they lost in seven games to a Portland team that they were much better than. The Thunder, you know, the fan base, the organization were celebrating whenever they got Portland. Celebrating, I was celebrating too whenever, whenever the Thunder uh, matched up with Portland in the first round. So, if the Thunder were celebrating, the Denver Nuggets should have been doing backflips. They were so good in the regular season last year, and yet they got pushed to seven games against a terrible Spurs team, and they got and they lost in seven games against a Portland team that just had a storybook run that shouldn't have been there in the first place. So, can you trust the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs? When the game slows down, when playoff basketball changes, you're not in your your normal rhythm. Everyone tightens up. Can you trust the Denver Nuggets in the postseason? That's the first key to this series, to any series involving Denver is after what we've seen from them in the, in the playoffs, with their key players being the exact same, with their coach being the exact same, do you think that, that their style translates to the postseason? And then you move on to this season, and they're still waiting on Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., and others to report to the bubble. Now, Gary Harris, we should note, is expected to be in the bubble Sunday night, Monday morning, somewhere in there. And we're not really going to know When he reports, because he has to do that two day quarantine before he can practice. And then we'll just one day figure out, okay, well, he's practicing, so he already did the two days. So just subtract those two days and find out whenever he reported. Uh, But that's still not good, obviously. You're going to want your teams, you want want your entire team there. Uh, You've missed, what, two weeks of practice already in a season uh, that's going to be totally different. And the time period in which you've had a longer layoff than each of the last three off seasons. Now you've missed two more weeks, for whatever the reason is, for, for Harris and Porter. And to give you an idea of how thin this roster is, which was once considered the deepest roster in the NBA, uh, right now in the bubble, they're missing so many players for various reasons that, that they're having to put Jeremy Grant at the 2 and bo Bowl at the 3. bo Bull is 7-2. Jeremy Grant was playing center for the Thunder. They were playing the 2 and the 3 at Nuggets practice. Now that's probably nothing to, to be concerned about, uh, but whenever you get reports of these players missing practices, missing the bubble, and then and then you turn around and say that you're putting Grant and Ball at the two and three, it does not sound very enticing to me. And then Jokic, All Star, MVP candidate. You know, last postseason he had some incredible games, that 40 point game and that and those performances like that. But he also had some clunkers, that 10 point game and game one against the Spurs. What is he going to be in the postseason? And what is he going to be now whenever he looks like a totally different person? Go look at a picture of Jokic right now, what he looks like in the bubble. He looks totally different. He slims, he's slimmed down so far that he, you, he's unrecognizable, really. And for a power forward, that can go one of two ways. He likes to use his body as a shield as he's making those plays and making those beautiful passes uh, back to the basket. Can he still accomplish all of that without that big frame? Will this make him a better player? Will it make him a worse player? Will he just stay the exact same? Who knows? But he's got eight games to figure it out. He's only got eight games to figure it out. And then as is the case now with every Thunder playoff preview, is Dennis Schroeder. How many games will he miss in the postseason? Will it be zero? Will it be one? Will it be two? Any game that Dennis misses against any of these teams... It's a loss. The Thunder will not be able to withstand Dennis Schroeder being gone, I don't think, in the postseason. So, that's the biggest question mark that we will not find out until game day of each of these games. But, you look at this Nuggets team, if the Thunder are fully healthy, and by that I mean, of course, having Dennis, I think the series goes seven. And that game seven, it comes down to, do you trust the Nuggets in the postseason? Or the Are you going to bet on the historically clutch Thunder that have not gotten blown out many times this year that keeps games close and then wins close games? Are you going to trust playoff Chris Paul or are you going to trust playoff Jokic? And we've done these in order of of most likely to win, moving down to least likely to win. So the Jazz were the most likely opponent I think that you're going to beat in the postseason. I don't think you're going to struggle at all. With the Rockets, I know a ton of people are so high on the Rockets. I don't see it. I really don't. The Mavericks just comes down to clutch versus clutch. The Mavericks have been terrible in the clutch. The Thunder have been awesome in the clutch, but the reason that they fall below the, the Jazz and the and the Rockets and they, they become harder than those two teams are because of the star power of Luka and KP, who knows what they're going to do in the postseason. We, we've seen what Russ is in the postseason. We've seen what James Harden is in the postseason. So then you get down to the Denver Nuggets. And if if both squads are fully healthy, this is going to go to seven games. And it again comes down to, do you trust Jokic and the Nuggets in the playoffs? Or do you trust a historically clutched team in, in Oklahoma City with Chris Paul? Right now, I'm still leaning towards the Thunder. But obviously, if, if Dennis cannot play in any of these playoff games, they're going to lose that game. They're absolutely going to lose that game. So a lot of this comes down to now, Dennis and when he can come back to the bubble and when he can play again in the bubble. Uh, but the Nuggets matchup will be fun. It'll absolutely be fun. But now we're starting to get in that territory of I'm less and less confident. I'm most confident in beating the jazz second, most in the Rockets third and then Dallas. And then now we're getting into, okay, this is getting, this is getting pretty dicey here. This is getting pretty dicey. And, and I think that these are the, are the most likely first round opponents. So we've already done the first round really, in my opinion, I don't see a pathway for the Thunder to match up with an L.A. team in the first round, but we'll go ahead and preview uh, those squads before the playoffs. Why not? We've got got some days to kill before the NBA officially returns and basketball officially comes back. So this week on Locked on Thunder, tomorrow we will preview the L.A. Lakers and how the Thunder match up with them in the postseason. Wednesday we'll preview the Clippers. And on Thursday I'm going to discuss how the 76ers being good how the 76ers being a great team in this bubble would benefit the Thunder and Chris Paul. And then on Friday, I'll talk to Madison Morris of 1077, the franchise, and get you all ready to go for the Thunder to be playing real NBA basketball against a different NBA team for the first time in what feels like forever. That'll wrap up this edition of Locked on Thunder. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked On Thunder. What a perfect ending to a historic day!
0: Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.